0: a lot of amazing things that we see around us, aren't there? I mean, things in nature, and occasionally we see a person walking on water. <laughs> That's amazing. You know, when I saw this man walking across the Thames, uh, Thames in London, I mean, that was really amazing to me. You know, it wasn't until I read that, how he did it. This was the illusionist dynamo and they had installed plexiglass under the water at the night before and that's how he walked on the water it was a trick! it was a fake! it's not possible for a human being to walk on water but in our Bible study today we're going to see how one man did accomplish the impossible and he walked on top of the water his name was Simon Peter And he's the next person in our study of the people Jesus encountered. And what Peter did, listen, was no trick. They did not have plexiglass back then to hold him up. All he had was the word of Jesus. And that, faith in that word was enough for him to walk on water. I wonder if we need that kind of faith today. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 14 and let's continue our series on person of interest. And let's read the passage to allow the Holy Spirit to begin to, to let it sink in our hearts So we, and then we'll dissect this passage and unpack it and look at it and see what God might want to say to us today. If you're willing and able, stand with me as we honor the reading of God's Word. Matthew chapter 14 verse 22. of the night and that was so around th- between 3 and 6 a.m. in the morning. They've been there all night. Jesus went to them walking on the sea, and when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, they were afraid, they were terrified. That's what the word means, terrified. It's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately, Jesus spoke to them saying, "Be of good cheer. It is I; do not be afraid." And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught Peter and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. Let's look at Simon Peter, that next person of interest today, as we seek the face of the Lord together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you don't need gimmicks and tricks. You are almighty God. And when we have faith in you, we can, it can move mountains. I can't move a mountain, but you can faith in you. Lord, I pray today strengthen our faith. I pray Lord, we're going to have, we're going to we're going to remember what you did for us during the Lord's Supper. Lord, help us never get over it. I pray that we as Christians, we we sometimes, we don't allow the impact of your sacrifice to be as strong as it used to be. God, I pray today we'll realize we're just sinners lost without you. The only hope we have of anything after this life that is good is Jesus. And I pray that we'll remember you today and we will learn from you because there's something each person here needs to hear. Me included. Help us listen. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Please be it. Now, our scripture passage takes place immediately after... The feeding of the 5,000 plus people. You remember that story. If you've been with me throughout this series on person of interest, you know, we looked at the little boy or a young, young lad. The Bible calls him a lad. We don't know how old he was, but he was just a boy with a sack lunch. And God used what he had to do a great miracle when the boy gave it into the hands of Jesus. And so from the scriptures, we know... That Jesus not only was He God, but He was God in the flesh, and his flesh became weary. He he got hungry and tired and just like we do. I mean, and if you just think about it for a minute, a miracle where Jesus took, you know, some a few biscuits and some sardines and he began to break them and feed it must have been at least ten thousand people. As he broke, can you imagine that? Well, what was happening? He was manufacturing food in his hand. Power was going out of him. I can't even imagine. I mean, I I get weary just going through my day, but I can't, you know, visiting people and praying for people and ministering. That's exhausting, but but nothing like ministering to 10,000 people by manufacturing bread in your hands. And after that, he told his disciples, you go across the Sea of Galilee. The rest of you folks go home now. I fed your bellies. I need to have some alone time. And that's what he did. And Jesus went to be alone and have some rest. He he wasn't really alone, he wanted to be with his Father, his heavenly Father. Let's look at it Matthew 14, 22, 23. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. While he sent the multitudes away, and when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray, and when evening came, he was alone there. We should notice that while the people had their bellies filled with physical food, Jesus' greatest need was his spiritual food. He told the, he told the Jews, he said, you, I have meat to eat that you don't know about spiritual food he needed time with his father real meaningful time how many of you put more emphasis how many of us put more emphasis on the physical things of this life than we do the spiritual how much how much do we prepare and we spend for the physical food we eat and then as compared to the spiritual food we eat We need just what Jesus... If Jesus needed time to pray with His Father, don't you think we do? Absolutely. And folks, let me tell you that this world around us is just like the world of Jesus' day, hungry. Today, they're hungry for truth. Truth is scarce right now, isn't it? It's hidden. Truth is being hidden or replaced by false religion or lies or political ideology, but truth is scarce. My wife and I were talking about how parents don't even teach their children that it's not right to go move in together and before you're married and sleep together before you're married. Parents don't even tell their children that anymore. They don't tell their children it's wrong to go out there and drink and get drunk. They don't tell their children that it's wrong to tell lies. They don't tell their children what's right and wrong anymore. They don't teach it. Truth is scarce in our world today. And you and I, we have truth. Here it is. We have truth in the Word of God. And it is important that we feed our world the truth of God's Word, the truth of the Gospel Because nobody else will do it, okay? No one else is going to do it. The church needs to do it. We need to do it. Believers need to do it. And let me tell you this also, that they don't need a full course meal. They just need, they just need, let's get started. Because they don't, the majority of people in this world, they don't even know who Jesus is. Did you know that? Now we grew, listen, if you're as old as I am, you know you grew up and everybody knew who Jesus was, right? Christmas time came, it was whose birth? Whose birth was it? Everybody knew that. Do you know that there's a whole lot of people in this world who do not know that fact? They don't know Christmas is about Jesus' birth. And did you know they don't even know who Jesus is? Who is Jesus? If you ask, well, who is Jesus? They don't know. They don't know who Jesus is. They don't. I've I've had all kind of answers when I've asked people, who is Jesus? Well, he was, you know, that guy in the Bible. Well, you know, I mean, so was Pontius Pilate. I mean, they don't know. And folks, we've got to start reintroducing our world to Jesus. Christian, you need to start reintroducing the people you know to Christ. And it starts in your home, by the way. It starts with your children knowing uh, not just about Jesus, but but knowing Jesus. They need the truth of our word. One of the first things that... God told his people when he gave them the law was he said, you will take this law and you will write it on the doorpost of your house. Folks, we need to teach people the truth. Because if we'll take just the little seeds and we'll just plant them, then God can take and multiply them in the hearts until they produce faith. That's what Jesus did multiplying that food. And he can take it, the seeds of, uh, that we plant, and he can produce faith with those seeds. To be effective, though, we need the same thing Jesus needed. Uh, time in prayer and fellowship with our Heavenly Father. So while Jesus was in prayer, the disciples, what were they doing? They were sailing across the Sea of Galilee. Verse 24. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea tossed by the waves, For the wind was contrary. So while Jesus was enjoying rest and spiritual recharge on the mountain, the disciples were struggling on the sea. They were trying to get across the Sea of Galilee, but the wind was against them. In fact, it was overpowering them, tossing them around, keeping them bound where they were, unable to break free and get to their destination. You see, do you see as I do all the spiritual implications here in this passage? Our world is so filled with evil and darkness that it opposes anything good and decent. I, I, I cannot believe the level of indecency that's in the world today. Can you? Even when we're trying to obey God, and shine light into this world, we're met with contrary winds of unbelief, greed, pride, immoral desire, leftist and Marxist political pressure, anti-Christian bias, anti-Semitism. It is becoming more and more a struggle to obey the Word of God and live a Christian life. It is. But even in this struggle, Jesus is with us. The greatest threats and struggles we face, he knows all about them. He knew what was going on with those disciples when he was in the mountain. Now, I don't know if you've ever been out on, like, you know, offshore or anything, where, like, out of sight of land. But if, let me just tell you that if if I was on the, the shore and you went offshore out of sight of land and you, and you radioed back and you said, hey, uh, Pastor Donnie, uh, can you come and get me my motor cut off? I'll say, where are you? I don't know. I'm out in the middle of this ocean. Do you know how hard it would be for me to get in my boat and ride out and find you? It would be just, Will, how hard would that be without any kind of technology? Almost impossible, right? Jesus walked down from that mountain and where did he go? He went right to those disciples. Do you know why? Because he saw what was going on in his mind. He knew exactly what they were going through. Did you do you know that Jesus knows exactly what you're going through? He knows, he knows everything about you. Everything. What you think, what you do, what you say. When nobody's around, he's there. And he knows exactly where you are, what you're going through, and he knows how to get there to help you. And this is what he did. And no matter how big your struggle, no struggle is too big for him, verse 25. Now, in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, right to them, (laughs) walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately, Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I do not be afraid now the sea which tossed the disciples around was nothing more than a place for Jesus to walk now in the middle of the night when the disciples should have long been across okay it didn't take that long but here they were caught out there in that troubled water trapped and unable to go on couldn't make could not make headway against the wind Contrary wind, and that's when Jesus appeared walking on top of their greatest problem. Frightened as they were, they heard him say, Cheer up, it's me, don't be afraid, in the middle of your struggle, look up and rejoice that I am here. I see your struggle and I'm here to help you. Let me tell you what literally he said here. He said, don't be afraid, I am. That's what he said the greek the translator said it is i jesus said don't be afraid i am have we heard that word before that phrase before that identifier i am where do we hear it first in the bible i am god spoke to who and said i am that i am moses at the burning bush i am yahweh the old testament god i am jesus comes to those disciples there they are in their struggle they are trapped they cannot get through that wind, it's tossing them around and they see Jesus and he says, don't be afraid, I am is here. The God of the Old Testament, the God who made it all, who made the winds and the waves. I, don't, you don't have to be afraid, I am, I am is here. Job 9.8, I love it, he alone spreads out the heavens and treads on the waves of the sea. Can you imagine that scene? Jesus had been with his father. He came down from the mountain. He walked down to the shore and he just kept walking, making the beeline right for those disciples. No tricks. <laughs> no tricks here. Just the power of the almighty creator. While the disciples could not even get across the water in a boat, Jesus just walked across the water on foot. The very elements of nature, liquid water, you can't can't stand on water. Liquid water became a pathway every time he put his foot down. Out of respect for the creator of the universe, the water turned into a solid path where he might walk straight to his disciples. Not a trick, not a trick, not a gimmick, it's a miracle. But it didn't stop there. Verse 28. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. I want you to pay attention to this. Did Peter say, now listen. Did Peter say, Lord, if it's really you, let me come to you. Did he say that? No. Did he say, Lord, if it's really you, ask me and I'll walk out there to you. Did he say that? No. What did he say? Lord, if it's you, command me to come out of this boat and walk over to you on this water. Peter had faith in the word of Jesus. He had already witnessed the power of Jesus' word when he had commanded the wind and sea to stop stop storming. So Peter believed Jesus' word was powerful enough to make him walk on water. Peter said to Jesus, Give a command and nothing will be able to stop your word from being accomplished. That's exactly what God said to the prophet Isaiah. God said, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. God says, I'll do whatever I want to do, and nobody can stop me. True faith is faith in the word of God. True faith believes that whatever God has said, he has the power to accomplish, and nothing can stop it. Our salvation is based upon our belief that what God has said in his word is true and always will be true. We are saved, for by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, Ephesians 2. None of us were in Jerusalem when the Lord Jesus was betrayed by Judas, condemned by the religious leaders, and crucified on a Roman cross. No, but we were not there. I wasn't there when Jesus observed the Passover, his last Passover with the disciples, and he said, "This is my body that's broken for you, and this is my blood that is shed for you for the remission of your sins." I wasn't there when Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead for us, but I believed it happened just as He said it did in His word. I believe that everything I believe everything Jesus said, I do. About forgiveness and eternal life. I believe what Jesus said. That for God so loved the world. Read it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have what? Everlasting life. I believe that. I believe it because Jesus said it. And I trust Jesus. I believe the word of God. That's called faith. It begins as a seed. A small seed that's planted in our hearts when we hear the truth and then that seed begins to grow that seed was planted in me when I was just a little boy as I heard the story of Jesus from my mother and my grandmother and my Sunday school teacher and my pastor in my church and then one day after hearing that word I believed I asked Jesus to come into my heart and life and be my Savior forever and he did there was no crack of thunder that day. There's no bolt of lightning. There was just a little nine year old boy believing what Jesus said in his word. But the seed, that seed of faith planted in me began to grow and grow until today I know God by experience uh, through my relationship with him. Folks, even if I could never again hear this Bible or read this Bible, if for some reason it was gone, I would still believe in Jesus because he lives in my heart and life, and I know it. There's a difference between knowing about God and knowing God. Listen to me. The atheists know about God. The unbelieving teachers who are brainwashing our students from colleges and universities across this nation, they know about God. A student at UNCW told me just a little while ago that they were taking religious studies. They said, my professors are atheists. Why are atheists teaching religion classes? Well, you know why, don't you? You know why, to turn people away from God. Millions, no, billions of people around the world know about God. But they do not know God. My knowledge of God began as a seed of faith planted in my heart when I believed what the Bible says about Jesus. But that little seed of faith grew into a big relationship, an eternal bond, where God is my heavenly Father, and I am his son. I know the one who died on the cross for me. I know the one who rose from the dead for me. I know the God who created me. He is my heavenly Father, and I love him. You cannot love someone you don't... You cannot love someone that you just know about. You love someone whom you know. And I know Jesus, and I love Jesus. Faith starts as we step away from sin and start toward Jesus. And that's what we see in Peter's step toward Jesus, verse 29. So Peter said, if it's you, Lord, let me come to you or command me to come to you. So Jesus said, verse 29, come. That's a command. Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Simon Peter believed the word of Jesus and he did something which is physically impossible. He walked on the water. It was not a trick. It was not a gimmick. What was it? A what? Miracle. Right? Now, folks, I know about water. I've always loved the water since I was really, really little. I've been under the water. (laughs) I've been in the water. But I've never walked on top of the water. And neither is anyone here or anyone you know. You know Dynamo the magician, <laughs> he certainly did not walk on water. The, and everybody thought they thought they did they were so amazed. The only two who have ever really walked on water are Jesus and Simon Peter. And it never would have happened if Peter had not heard and believed the call of Jesus to come, and then he stepped out of that boat in faith and he started walking. Peter had to leave that boat, which was caught in a struggle with an overpowering force. And then he had to take a step into the unknown with Jesus. And notice that these men in the boat thought that Jesus was a ghost. They were afraid. Peter was afraid. But he had to step out of the boat and overcome that fear and start walking. And that's how we find God's forgiveness and eternal life. In that boat, Peter was being tossed around and kept from reaching the destination Jesus wanted for him. He had to get out of that boat. He had to get to Jesus. He had to get out of that boat of unbelief and get to Jesus. Without Jesus, we're trapped in a troubled and dangerous sea of sin. Isaiah, the prophet said, But the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. The only way to leave our lost and sinful condition is to hear the call of Jesus and start walking by faith toward Jesus. We have to get out of the boat of fear and unbelief and take a step of faith. We have to start believing John said, as many as received Jesus to them, he gave the power to become the sons of God, the children of God, even to those who believe on his name. When we hear the gospel and the Holy Spirit convicts us of our sin and our need for God, then we forsake our sin and we start walking toward Jesus. Well, that's when our faith starts growing. That's when the seed of faith starts growing. As we walk, the Holy Spirit of Jesus takes up residence inside of our bodies and gives us the right and the power to walk as a child of God should walk with Jesus. Like everyone, Peter's faith started small. It started when Jesus called him to leave his fishing nets and follow him. It continued to grow as Peter listened to the word of Jesus and watched the miracles of Jesus. As long as Peter Walk with Jesus and listen to Jesus. His faith grew. One day, not long after he had walked on the water, Jesus asked his disciples, Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, Matthew 16, Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And also I say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The whole birth of the church, the spread of the gospel, around the world was built upon the kind of faith Peter displayed in that confession of faith. The faith of a man who had walked on water with Jesus. You know, you can always tell when a person walks with Jesus. Because he or she wants to walk where Jesus walks. And do what Jesus does. And Peter, he had walked with Jesus on the land But then when it came time to do something no one else had ever done, like walk on water with Jesus, Peter was willing to swing his leg out of that boat and put his foot on top of liquid water and believe that it would hold him up and follow Jesus. So just picture this scene at night, early in the morning, dark. Perhaps the moon shining down the Sea of Galilee, we don't know. There was was Jesus standing on the water, telling Peter to come to him. Peter obeyed, got out of the boat, and started walking on top of the water. And let's see what happened. Verse 30. But when he saw, remember, Peter's on the water now. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he saw it in the waves splashing all over his legs. When he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out saying, Lord, save me, poor Peter. He got out of that boat, and he started walking on the water, and I'm sure he was feeling pretty good about it, but he didn't get all the way to Jesus before he looked down, saw all those waves splashing and on his feet, and he saw it, and the, the wind was still going, storm still going, and he started going down. He began to sink. Did he begin to sink with the first step or second step? I don't know. don't know how many steps he took, but he began to sink when he took his eyes off Jesus and began to look at the struggle that was going on around him. Peter trusted Jesus. He did. He trusted Jesus. In another time, in another boat, he saw Jesus speak to a storm at sea and the sea obeyed him. So Peter knew Jesus had authority over the winds and waves. Why did he look down? I guess any of us would have. When he stepped out of the boat that night, that was the greatest test of faith he had ever taken. Have you, do you know what that's like? To have the greatest test of your faith? That was the greatest test he'd ever taken. And let's face it. I, you know, I mean, I believe anybody of us would have been intimidated by what Peter saw. He looked down and he saw the choppy water, the rough waves. It was still splashing and blowing on him. And when Peter stopped walking toward Jesus, that's when he began... Sink when he stopped obeying the word Jesus said, Come. He didn't say, Stop. He said, Come. And when he stopped, he began to sink into the trouble that was around him. It was the same sea, it was the same wind, the same choppy water, the same struggle that had been holding him back. That's what the sea represents, folks. It represents anything that holds us back and keeps us from reaching the purpose God has for us. Peter overcame that struggle when he took his first step of faith out of the boat toward Jesus. But when he lost his focus of Jesus and began to look down at the troubled sea that was around him, he began to sink. When Peter looked up toward Jesus, he could walk on water. But when he looked down from, away from Jesus, he, and his focus began to be on the circumstances around him, That's when he began to sink. In fact, the troubled water that had been surrounding his boat now surrounded his feet and began to pull him down. Peter was too far from the boat to turn back. Folks, once you start following Jesus, you cannot turn back. You cannot turn back the clock. Once you start following Jesus, you have to keep moving. Either walk or sink. Once you forsake the sinful past and start with Jesus, you get into deep water. Sometimes hot water. Satan doesn't give up because you decide to follow Jesus. He works harder against you. Like Peter, we're surrounded by trouble. In this dark world, trouble's everywhere. All around us, there's evil and trouble and sickness and struggle and pain and doubt and unbelief. that wants to hold us back and pull us down. Satan has so many distractions. He's pouring so much evil into our homes and the minds of our children. And the only escape is to step out by faith and follow Jesus. But if we don't keep our eyes on Jesus... Then Satan will intimidate us and do everything he can to discourage us until our new growing faith begins to sink and be overwhelmed by the dark forces that are all around us. What can we do when the struggles take hold and begin to pull us down again? We can do like Peter. Lord, save me. Verse 31. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him. Where was Jesus? He's still on top of the water. And he reached out his hand and he caught Peter and he said to him, Peter... Oh, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. You know, Jesus once had told the wind in ways to stop, but when Jesus got into the boat, out of respect, the storm stopped. You see? Well, let me say something about Peter. Peter kind of gets a bum rap, as far as I'm concerned, because when we read this story, the focus is always on how Peter sunk, right? <laughs> He began to sink. Well, I want to remind all of us that even though Peter began to sink, he was still the only mortal man who has ever walked on water. And furthermore, though Peter began to sink, he did not drown. Because through faith he did the right thing. He called out to Jesus for help. And although he did take his focus off Jesus and he did look at his situation and his doubt, and he began to sink, he also had enough faith in Jesus to believe that his Savior could rescue him, and that is exactly what Jesus did. And folks, I, let me say, I'm living proof that when you call out to Jesus, he will take you by the hand and lift you up out of your terrible circumstances. When he, Jesus reached out his hand and touched Peter, all of a sudden Peter shot up out of that water and walked on top of the water again. Peter walked not once, but twice on the water. He started walking, then he started sinking, then he started walking again. And that is such an important lesson for us, even though our faith may have times when it is really strong and growing. It also may have times when it is slowly sinking. And during those times, when Satan is overwhelming us with discouragement and fear, that's not the time to quit. That's not the time to focus on your problems. That's time to run to Jesus and say, Lord, save me. Amen? that's the time to get on our knees before him to pray harder than we've ever prayed to look at his word and hear his voice that's the time to reach out in faith and say save me Lord and believe that he will when we hear the call of Jesus and start following him and the seed of faith begins to grow in us that doesn't mean we're always going to walk on top of the water and never experience the struggles that surround us sometimes those temptations are going to overcome us sometimes those worries and fears are going to overwhelm us but sometimes sometimes our growing faith is going to start sinking but and we're going to need rescue, and just like Peter did. And when we do, that same Jesus who rescued Peter will lift out his hand and he will lift us up and rescue us. And that's the lesson for all of us who have faith in Jesus. Let's read the faith lesson today. You ready? Let's go. When we follow Jesus by faith, sometimes we may walk on top of the water. Sometimes we may find ourselves in the water. But ultimately, our Savior will rescue us from the water. Amen. No matter how high the waves, no matter how strong the wind, Jesus is stronger. There might be winds of discouragement and doubt and fear coming from people all around you. You might feel like you're all alone and the only person in you. you're the only person in your world with faith in Jesus. You might feel that way. But if you have Jesus, you can get through because you are never alone. Just like Jesus saw his... Disciple struggling, he sees your struggles. He knows all about you and he knows what you need in every situation. You can always trust Jesus to do what is best for you. What he did for Peter, he will do for you. He picked up Peter and together they walked back and got in the boat. And this time with Jesus in the boat, the sea became completely calm and they went on to their destination that Jesus had purposed for them. And in verse 33... And those who were in the boat came and worshipped Jesus, saying, Truly, you're the Son of God. You know, Peter's faith led others to faith. The people who were in that boat with Peter believed not only because they had seen Jesus walk on the water, but they had seen Peter walk on the water with Jesus. Watching Peter's faith helped them grow in their faith. I'm sure they thought, the thought went through all their minds that night. You know, if Jesus can walk on the water and Peter can walk on the water, if I have faith in Jesus, then I can walk on the water with Jesus that's a great promise folks that no matter what we go through when we love him and trust him Jesus will always be there and folks it doesn't matter what kind of troubled sea you're in right now or you ever find yourself in ultimately he's going to lift you out of all of this because we got a place to go far greater than this amen Jesus said these things have I spoken to you that in me you may have peace in the world you will have peace Tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Our lives are not constant. They're filled with all kinds of different situations, sometimes smooth, sometimes rough. Sometimes the water's deep, sometimes it's hot, but trouble comes to everybody. The only real constant we have is Jesus. He loves us the same all the time. You'll never do anything that's going to make him love you less or love you more. And he's always there for us to help us get through the troubles of this life and ultimately. He's going to lift us up and take us all the way to his kingdom. And that's why we need to keep our eyes on Jesus. We need to focus not on our weaknesses, not on our struggles, not on our failures, but on his faithfulness. No matter where we are, walking on top of trouble or sinking down in it, Jesus is the one who can save us. What it takes from us is faith to walk on water. Faith to walk on water. We might not ever walk on water, but faith to walk on water with Jesus. That's the kind of faith that we need. Would you bow with me? Now, where are you in this story? Are you, a, are you a Simon Peter? Scared but ready to do something miraculous? Well, Jesus is your answer. Or are you one of those people in the boat, afraid to get out? You're stuck in a rut. You can't see any hope for your future. Can't seem to get started again. Jesus can help you. Are you like Peter on the water? You started walking with Jesus. You loved Jesus. You've been, God used you one time in great ways, but now you're sinking, surrounded by the trouble and evil and guilt around you. Satan bombarded you, and now you feel overwhelmed, and you feel like you're just powerless. Jesus can help you. He can lift you up. And maybe you need to take that first step of faith. You've been trying to reason with Jesus or reason Jesus and prove that there's a Jesus. Maybe you've been influenced by the unbelief of people around you and you don't have peace. You don't know the peace Jesus gives because you don't really know Him. Today, step out of that lost condition and start believing and following Jesus. Confess your struggles to believe. Jesus has big shoulders. He's not afraid of your questions. He's not afraid of your doubts. He will help you. Reach out to Him in faith. Say, Jesus, right where you are in your heart or mind or, or where are you, lift up your hand and say, Jesus, help me. Save me, Jesus. Save me. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you shed your blood for me. I believe you gave everything for me. And you rose from the dead. I wasn't there, but I believe it and I accept it as true today. And I ask you to come into my heart. Forgive me for all my sins. And save me, Jesus. I want to follow you. If you prayed that prayer, if you accepted Jesus as your Savior, then you started to walk. Keep walking. Father in heaven, as we open the Lord's Supper, as we walk by this table, and we take the bread and we take the juice and we think about you, I pray, Father, that this will be so real to us. That the Savior who lifted Peter out of the water, you can lift us up. You have lifted up your people through the broken body and shed blood that cost you everything. And Lord Jesus, if it costs you so much, then I don't have a reason to ever complain or be silly. Or just quit. If you went all the way for me, I need to go all the way for you. All the way to heaven. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for us. Amen.